1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on
2: 630 Chad.
1: All right, updating the NHL scoreboard. Toronto up 2-1 on Tampa Bay, five minutes into the third period. Matthews with his 47th of the season. Nashville taking it to Montreal for nothing for the Predators after two. In the third, Penguins leading the Devils 3-1. Bruins leading the Flyers 1-0. Second period, Carolina and Detroit tied 2-2. Five minutes left in the first period in Dallas. Rangers up 2-0 on the Stars. Later, Islanders and Canucks. The Islanders are here on Friday to play the Oilers. Senators and Ducks. That one also starts at 8 o'clock. In a few minutes, we'll catch up with Brendan Botcher from Team Botcher. Alberta champs went into the Briar. Just one loss all week, but suffered their second loss in the championship game to Brad Gushu on Sunday in Kingston. Oilers practice today. Again, no McDavid, no Yamamoto. Maintenance day for Yamamoto. McDavid did go to the rink, had a bit of a workout. We'll see if he's able to skate tomorrow and play against the Winnipeg Jets. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 7.00. The Oilers have been deadly on the power play this season, hovering around 30% pretty much all season long. They did not get a power play last night against the Vegas Golden Knights head coach Dave Tippett.
2: I will just tell you, if I was coaching against our team, that would be one of the first things I told my team. Don't take, power, don't take penalties against them. Right? Our power play's been pretty good all year. That just put two and two together.
1: Well, then that's going to be the challenge the Oilers face. If the game is officiated a little differently down the stretch and into the playoffs, and they're playing against good teams that know how to defend and maybe know how to play rugged without crossing the line, how is that going to hurt the Oilers if they're only getting one or two power plays a game instead of three, four, or five? I I think that's something to... To keep in mind, you get into a seven-game series with a team, are they going to be able to grind you down without going to the penalty box? Now, having said that, if the Oilers do a better job transitioning the puck, if McDavid comes back rested and healthy and is flying a little bit more, if they actually have two lines going, then they're going to spend more time in the offensive zone, and that'll lead to more opportunities for penalties to be committed by the other team. We'll see which way it plays out. I will say this, as, as much as you look at the Oilers' last two games in particular and say, mm, not much to like there. I think there were plenty of moments to like from the line that's been put together of Jujar Kara at center, and Jujar's had a tough season, but I, you know, I haven't minded him down the middle with these guys. And James Neal on one wing and Alex Chason on the other side. Couple of goals against Columbus. Chase on scores again last night on a deflection they've been able to get in on the forecheck rob and i discussed it last night they're really aligned that if they're not thinking they're going to go in there and dangle and complete seven passes in a row to get a tap in they're shooting the puck in they're trying to forecheck they're trying to hit neil commented on trying to play physical with karen chase on
2: yeah it is i think um games are just going to continue to get harder and harder as we go here um you know as you can see that but i think when you get into a playoff series a seven game series it's Uh, it's going to take a toll on you. And I think for us, we need to be a line that's in there being physical and, uh, um, you know, wearing down their uh, their d men and and their forwards. And um, like I said, it's been three games. I like the way we're going so far, and we're going to continue to get better. Uh, We're good at talking out there. We're uh, we're learning each other uh, each day, and uh, uh, we're growing a bit.
1: So here are a couple things to think of that I'm really going to be watching as the Oilers play their final 12 season, uh, games of the regular season. Can they embrace a straight-line approach when needed? And, and Neil and Karen Cassian seem to think it's needed right from the opening faceoff, and, and I don't mind that. The Oilers have some incredibly skilled offensive players. When those players can't generate things off the rush, can they embrace what the bottom six is doing and put the puck into a corner and go get it? Now, I know, I know what some of you are going to counter to that. And you're going to say, you, you don't want Connor McDavid shooting the puck in. You want the puck on a stick. You want the puck on Leon's stick. And I agree with you to an extent. You don't want them wasting opportunities that they, that they think are there. And, and I agree that the offensive players should get leeway. But I think a good example of decision-making in his short time with the Oilers has been Tyler Ennis. He has not forced plays. We've seen Ennis make some really good plays, make some good passes, keep pucks alive, maybe not as you know, noticeable the last couple of games. But we've seen Ennis make the right play at the right time. And even when he was on line with Connor McDavid, Ennis recognized sometimes I got to shoot this puck in and put it in the corner. Because if McDavid's going in on the forecheck and he's hitting the blue line with speed, he might win that race and get something going off the cycle from there. So that's one thing I want to watch. And Rob made a great point on overtime open line last night. How often Vegas, which is still a pretty good skilled team, even without Mark Stone, and they got some good defensemen. Shea Theodore has scored the winning goal two games in a row for them. Nate Schmidt's a very dangerous player. You know, they have good offensive players. They embrace... We got we to gotta get the puck in and we got to get physical and then maybe the skill can go to work. Can the Oilers recognize when that has happened? And then the other thing I really want to watch for with the Oilers is when they have a bad section of a game and most teams don't play well for 60 minutes or control the game for 60 minutes. When they have a bad section of a game, can they figure out, these two things are kind of tied in, can they figure out how to get out of it in game? Because the last two games they haven't. It's just stayed bad. Pretty much the entire game. Sure, the Oilers had little pockets of good play last night against Vegas, but generally they were dominated, and generally they were dominated against Columbus. It's great that Dave Tippett's talking about having practices where they can work on things. Well, guess what? If you're down 3-2 in a playoff series and game six isn't going your way, you're not going to be able to work on the problems in practice. You have to be able to figure them out while the game is going on. So... Hopefully this is another step in, in some development for the Oilers. There have been good steps this year. And, and now I think we see how they deal with these latest problems. The good thing is they've still had points while they've, they've had these problems. Still nine of their last 12 points is they're, they're really, what is it, 98% on sportsclubstats.com to make the playoffs. So that's all good. Let's see how they come out of it. And let's see now when they're in these tough moments within a game. Let's see if they figure it out in a game. Because you can't always say, we're going to wait to our next good practice to figure it out. you got to be able to do it in-game. All right, a guy who played a lot of big games last week, won almost all of them, unfortunately lost the Briar final to Brad Gushu. On Sunday, he represented Alberta, Skip Brendan Botcher. Brendan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you, Reed? I'm doing well. It's great to have you on the show again. Thanks for catching up with us. Uh, got to talk to you quickly last week, uh, mid-briar. And, uh, man, I, you only lost two games all week, but unfortunately the one at the end uh, didn't go your way. Let, let's start there. Tell me a, uh, just a little bit about the final. I know you kind of got behind early in that one. Uh, just how do you feel you guys played and uh, kind of why you wound up falling behind to Gushu there?
3: Yeah, so overall I was uh, super proud of how we played the whole week. Um, we obviously didn't bring our best in the final. I think we got a little tricked. Uh, right out of the gate. The conditions were a little bit different than what we had seen the rest of the week, and Gushu and the boys caught on to that way faster than we did.
1: Yeah, well, that, that was tough. I mean, I watched the entire final, and, uh, you know, I kind of noticed, I know you know, I know I you guys kind of had a couple of wrecks on guards and, and maybe some other close calls. So was that just, uh, you know, there wasn't the... There was more swing in the ice than you were expecting or did you maybe have a delivery or two that you didn't quite release the way you wanted what can you tell us there
3: i I think for the most part the ice was a a sliver different than what we had seen so it was a little bit warmer uh on the final there on sunday and then they packed the building full of people which was awesome Um, but the conditions were just a little warmer and a little more humid than we had seen all week so there was a little bit more frost out on the ice and Uh, hate to uh, hate to blame the conditions a little bit but i think that caught us early and certainly props to uh gushu and the boys they figured that out right out of the gate and they made a lot of precise shots early and then really once you get down you have to play such aggressive shots that uh, it either works or it doesn't (laughs) and in our case we just weren't able to to mount the comeback that we needed
1: yeah well i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to touch on that too and yeah, you know, Brendan, I, 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 uh, I'm on all the Oilers broadcasts, and uh, every hockey player says they want to score the first goal, right, <laughs> and get the lead. And, and I thought, you know, for me watching you play, I thought it really changed with when Gushu got three in the third to go up 4-1. So how did that really sort of affect your approach? Like, is it, a, is it an immediate change in strategy or you know do you see it more maybe after the fifth and break or you think okay now we got to start doing things different take us into your mindset there once it was 4-1 for Gushu
3: yeah playing against a team as good as Gushu you can't really sit back and wait for them to to give you an opportunity back you have to press pretty hard and uh, we did that really right after that third end right after we gave up the three we were in are pushing type aggressive mode. And we actually had a couple ends that were setting up pretty good, but props to uh, Mark Nichols. He made a couple of amazing shots in there to get them out of dodge. And then it, it's hard to play catch up when the other skip shooting 100%, which was what Brad did on Sunday.
1: Uh, Brandon, I got to ask you this. I, I, I hate to do it, but it is part of your storyline right now. Three years in a row, you get to the Briar final and it doesn't go your way. So an incredible run just to make three Briar Finals in a row, uh, but but you haven't got, got the title. So how do you sort of weigh having these great weeks at the Briar, but you don't have the championship? And I'm going to say yet, because I do believe you're going to get one. <laughs> you know, it, it's tough. Um,
3: I have to look at it both ways. So by all means, it's incredibly disappointing. It's very tough. You don't know when or if you'll get another chance to be back in that situation so that's the part that's hard to wrap your head around Uh, on the flip side of it um, by far this was the best briar we've played as a team Um, we had a lot of our best games against the best teams it was another consistent very very good result for us and it's uh you need to focus on that a little bit, too, because otherwise you'll get too dragged down in the in the depressing side of it. Uh, by all means, we were going there trying to win. We, we did what we needed to do all week. We put ourselves in the position, and then we just didn't come out and play our best on Sunday. And sometimes in sport, there's really not a great answer to, to why that happens. You just got to accept that it did happen, and hopefully you can get back into that situation sooner than later and right the wrong
1: Uh, Brendan to to me you're in a in a bit of an interesting situation I mean you're still obviously uh relatively young as a curler and as a person for that matter but but, you know you're playing against uh, against Gushu uh in the final he's a competitor you you've you've beat him before you've gone back and forth with him he was able to get you on the on the weekend but is he also someone you look up to though as a curler and and if so why
3: yeah, I think uh, all of those big names in curling, uh, whether it's Gushu or Kevin Cooey or a few years ago, Kevin Martin, I think there's bits and pieces of all of those guys' uh, games on and off the ice that we've tried to emulate. And I think that's really helped us um, reach the level that we have at our relatively younger age. And I think from Brad Gushu, really his patience um, and his tactical side of the game, I think, is is second to none. He rarely takes uh, risks when he doesn't need to. He plays a very smart game of curling. And I think that's part of why on Sunday, really, once we gave up that three, he knew that it was pretty much in his pocket as long as he executed the simple shot. And that's what he did for the remainder of the game.
1: Okay, so through the, uh, the grind of the briar, it's such an intense week. Season's not over, though. Let everybody know what's next for Team Botcher. What are you guys doing?
3: Yes, we have the last two Grand Slams of the year, so both the Players' Championship in Toronto and the Champions' Cup, which is a little closer to home this year, down in Olds. Um, And we're the defending champs at both of those uh, two Grand Slams. So hopefully we can come out, uh, play two more good weeks of curling, finish the year off on a high note, and then uh, have a bit of off-season, and we'll be back in the middle of summer preparing for next year.
1: So you will, you, like when you take a break, how long will you go without throwing a rock? Or is it still something you do almost daily, but maybe just not for uh, as many hours as you might during the winter?
3: No, so they actually take the ice completely out of most of the curling clubs, uh, which not a lot of people know. But there isn't practice ice for us to play on from, I'll say, the last week in April until mid-July so we probably have six or eight weeks of absolutely no curling and then for mid-july through to the end of august we're curling but not not as much and not for as long as we do when we're in the middle of the season so maybe maybe only a few times a week stay loose get the reps in get feeling good going into the end of august and then we really gear up uh, close to the end of august early september
1: Okay. Well, Brendan, you know, thanks for checking in. Uh, You and and your teammates as well are always very generous with your time when it comes to interviews. And uh, you've always been there to talk, uh, no matter how the game goes, goes for you guys. So we do appreciate that. Thanks for sharing your experience at the Briar. All the best here in the last couple of events of the season.
3: Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks. And uh, have a good evening.
1: Will do. Brendan Botcher, skip for team Alberta at the Briar checking in. So, Pretty honest, they, uh, you know, they just didn't figure out the ice quick enough. Sunday against Gushu. Gushu's team, near perfect. Mark Nichols, their third, was uh, unbelievable. And when you fall behind 4-1 to a rink like that, pretty tough to claw back in it. And the Botcher rink couldn't quite do it. Another great briar, but not quite there. I think they will get there. Botcher's 28. Don't forget, Gushu is 40. And he's won three of the last four briars, but he didn't win a briar till the first one. Four years ago when he was thirty-seven. I think we're going to hear be hearing from Brendan Botcher and his crew for quite a while. 721, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Some text to 7804960063 about the Oilers I want to get to when we get back Brent texting in about the Oilers shooting the puck in versus trying to set up a pretty play he says how many times do we see our star players lose it at the offensive blue line only to have to the play go back into the Oilers end the shots on goal prove it the Oilers lose the puck before they get close enough to shoot that is from Brent Another texter writes in, he says, Hi, Reid, I know it's neither here nor there, but they didn't show a replay of the puck being covered by the Vegas' player's hand at the end of the third period. How does that kind of non-call happen when the ref clearly should have seen that? I believe he's talking about, was it Nate Schmidt, I think, that caught the puck? And usually you're allowed to catch the puck and you got to drop it right where you caught it. He kind of angled it and threw it away to get it away from an, an oncoming where there's a checker I have seen that called, closing your hand on the puck. It wasn't, I guess, a a long toss. And and it was a game where they didn't call a lot of penalties. So probably easily could have been a call, kind of a funny play. But they, uh, they chose to let it go. I mean, there were only two power plays in the game last night, both to Vegas. I mean, really, I don't have a problem with how the game was officiated. Just the Oilers got to figure out a way to have the puck more. right. Pretty
2: good. Good band. Yeah, solid band. See, they may have to reschedule Coachella. Oh, is that the latest? Yeah, that's. Uh, they're talking about it. It's nothing uh, concrete, but there's heavy rumors and around the festival and that stuff that they're looking at an October uh, festival date this year because of the uh, COVID outbreak. All right. Yep. Have you been to uh, Coachella? I have not, no. I have friends who have gone, and they have had a wonderful time down there. I've seen many pictures. But
1: you've gone to several WrestleManias. Yes, and that's another kettle of fish right now, so. (laughs) All right. Uh, Dave Tibbett asked about Yamamoto and McDavid. Neither man practiced today.
2: Good possibility. Uh, Yamamoto, we just kept off, just uh, precautionary, kind of a rest day. And Connor was in this morning, saw the training staff, and uh, had a little workout and left, so we'll see where he's at in the morning.
1: All right, so McDavid, we still wait another day. Still wait another day. NHL tonight, the Maple Leafs beat the Lightning. Austin Matthews, the game winner, 47th goal of the season, came out on a power play early in the third. Toronto takes that one, 2-1. Two minutes left in the third. Nashville up 4-2 on the Canadians. The Penguins have beaten the Devils 5-2. The Bruins shut out the Flyers 2-0. Oilers are going to play the Flyers on Sunday, and that does it for Phillies. Nine game winning streak. Hurricanes and Red Wings tied 2 2 early in the third. Rangers up 2 0 in Dallas at the start of the second period. In half an hour, the Islanders play the Canucks and the Senators play the Ducks. Jared texting in 780 496 0063. He says, Reed, to me, the Oilers are going through a dead leg phase, similar to a pitcher having a dead arm phase. When his fastball drops from 98 miles an hour to 94 this drop is small but the fastball lacks pop and hitters jump all over it with dead legs you lack the hop and you get beat to most loose pucks the players realize they didn't have the legs so they cheat by keeping loose gaps examples d-men give up the blue line d-men too far back from the forwards on offense D-men leaving the point early. Forwards can't get on the forecheck. Forwards fall back on the back check and fail to go deep in the corners in the defensive zone. This is Dave Tippett's disconnect. That is a text coming in from Jared to 780-496-0063. Well, and, you know, I I don't know. what pe- Several people have asked me. Rob and I got asked on, on air last night. A couple people brought it up to me today. Are, are more players on the Oilers than just Connor McDavid not feeling well? I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I'd love to be able to tell you, you know, they're not going to put that out. There's an excuse. Kelly Rudy touched on it earlier that it's certainly very possible that if one guy is sick, usually other players are unhealthy to at least an extent. They, I mean, here's the thing. They got out they got outshot by Winnipeg last Saturday, but they, I thought the Oilers played well in parts of that game. And in the first period, they were very good. The second period was bad. um, But it it wasn't a complete one-sided game like the last two. Dallas, the first period, was pretty bad. After that, I would say Dallas was better, but not by as wide a margin in the first period. So the last two games, you know, they really got whipped and should have lost both games in regulation time. But Koskinen saved it. So even though... There have been similar um you know, we've been praising the goaltenders a lot. I don't know if how they if they got there the same way in all six of these most recent games. And in there they did beat Nashville pretty bad. And I guess they had one good period against Chicago. So, Jared, there could be something to it. It it there could be some illness. It it could be a slump, it could be finding the way with a couple of new forwards in the lineup, Ennis and Athanasiu have been bouncing around to a few different lines we'll see it's got to be figured out soon and the thing with the Oilers this year is we know they can play better which in a lot of seasons past we're kind of like oh well this is it they're getting crushed every night and they almost never win we know we know they can play better whatever it is dead legs illness a slump it, it can't go on too much longer now they still have a, they're still in a really good position to make the playoffs it's up around 98 percent on that site I always look at, SportsClubStats.com. So they 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 pretty much have to go two and ten or something like that to not get in. But they got to be prepared for the postseason, and, and I think they got to be feel confident going into the postseason. Otherwise, it might not be a very long of an appearance in the playoffs. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. I was talking about James Neal earlier. Playing on that line with Kara and Chase on and doing a pretty decent job. They've generated some offense. They've uh, gotten in on the forecheck and... He did say, uh, yeah, earlier in the season he, he had some problems with a toe.
2: Yeah, I felt like coming back. I felt uh, I did, did good work to get back uh, from my ankle. It's all, I think ankles and feet are, you know, they're finicky, and it's just sometimes tough to put them in your skate and, and, and feel good out there, but um, no excuses. I felt I felt good. I, I felt good in the last few games. Um, I felt really good coming back in Dallas. Uh, uh, Chicago wasn't so good, and then the last few games have um, been been pretty good. And, um, just got to continue to get better and ramp it up for uh, uh, for a stretch here. So, um, like I said, I think you know we've been moving moving around quite a bit, uh, line combinations and that. So we're 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 dialing that in, and um, you know with Chaser and, and JJ, we've been we've been uh, we've been okay. And, um, like I said, we're just going to get try to get better here as we go on.
1: All right, so James Deal, you know, he's had to fight through a few things this season and uh, looking decent on that fourth line. we got to take a quick timeout. Great story for you when we get back. We're going to have Ben Cricky on the show. He's a graduate of Jasper Place High School. He's uh, near the end of his freshman season with Valparaiso University in Indiana in the NCAA. They just had a terrific run in their conference tournament. He's a local success story from the hard court coming up next. Well, you may have seen this young man from Edmonton on national TV over the weekend playing in a pretty big college basketball game. He went to Jasper Place High School. He's now with Valparaiso University in Indiana, Ben Cricky, Ben, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for making time to come on the show today. I know you're coming off a pretty busy stretch of basketball. What what is this story for Valpo? You guys were the first school ever to play four games in four days at the tournament, or, or what happened here?
0: All right so I think in the history of the Missouri Valley Conference which is one of the oldest in the NCAA no team has been uh has played four games of the tournament how it works is there's a play in game on the Thursday uh for lower seeds it's for the 7 to 10 seeds and uh if you if you keep winning you move on but no team has has played the play in game and made it to the final at the same time or in the same tournament rather so
1: Okay, well, pretty amazing run for you guys, and th- this is the great thing about NCAA basketball this time of year: the, the the conference tournaments and then the NCAA tournament. It's all it's all single elimination, right? It's it's all it's all game seven, I suppose to to, to use a, to yeah. use a hockey term. So it appears you guys rose to the occasion in these. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, like you just said, it's uh, you win, you move on; you lose, and you're you're done. So, I mean, we just. Tried to leave everything out on the floor every single game, and our conference is really competitive. So we knew that anything was possible, and uh, we ma- we made a pretty good run.
1: Well, do bad you didn't get the the one at the end. Uh, Bradley able to to finally beat you guys in the final, but you did a good job getting there. Tell us a little bit about w- what this season has been like for you, Ben. I mean, obviously you're you're an Edmontonian, but you you go play at Valparaiso in uh, in Indiana. What's what's the the journey been like over the last few months
0: i think uh i mean personally uh i got here last last july and you know just training and and trying to adjust to NCAA basketball and then season started in november and uh you know it, it took a few games to adjust to you know the speed of the game and and the bigger bodies and the the bigger faster athletes and everything like that but i mean i think everything started to click after after a few games and uh, start to adjust and, and get into the rotation a little bit and and, uh, and i mean just start and try and uh, contribute as much as i can to the team
1: are you the only canadian on the team
0: uh no we actually have another another guy named daniel sack he's from uh, winnipeg and He's a couple of years older than me, but I, I've known about him for a while, and uh, we both played at the national championships with uh, our respective
1: provincial teams. Okay, so well, that's good. So, come can some Canadian, uh, some Canadian bonding, or do you guys get uh, ribbed about being Canadians? Are there any uh, little national rivalries within the within the team?
0: Yeah, a little bit. We always tease each other, but. Uh, which city is better, Edmonton or Winnipeg? But, uh, I mean, there's there's definitely a bond there, which is, which is special.
1: Ben, I, I want to ask you a little bit about, uh, you know, your journey through basketball. You know, you're, you're a really good success story and I think a role model for other players coming up in Edmonton. T- First of all, tell me a little bit about being recruited out of Jasper Place. I, I mean, did you have a lot of options? I assume Canadian schools wanted you as well. I'm just curious about that and, and finally making the decision to go to Valpo.
0: Yeah, so being from Jasper Place, I mean, I, I wanted to just stay stay for my uh, high school in Edmonton, and I had a lot of different options to to pursue high school and, and go to different prep schools, both in Canada and the States. And prep schools, they basically are just kind of gateways or or whatever you want to call it, to get to D one. And uh, I was told that it'd be tough to be from Edmonton and and make it to D one but I figured I just wanted to stick and stick with JP and, and try to make it D one Uh try to be one of the first to, to stay and do that. But uh, yeah, no, there was definitely a lot of Canadians uh, universities that, that wanted me to uh, go to their school, but also uh, a few, a few NCAA schools, but not as much as I, I think I would have had if I went uh, elsewhere for high school, but I'm definitely glad I stuck with uh, JP and, and was able to pick up, uh, I mean, the Valparaiso offer
1: uh, even though I stayed. So that was very special. How have you found the, the sports culture and the basketball culture there? You're in Indiana, which is obviously known for being very passionate about basketball. You grew up in a hockey city. I mean, there are other sports, obviously, and, but, uh, you know, it's primarily a, a hockey city and a hockey country. So what's that uh, transition been like? How can you tell? What can you tell us about the, the sports scene there?
0: Yes, I mean, it's definitely a hard-working culture and and basketball culture and everything, and it's it's very competitive. So, I mean, if you want to make it anywhere in in American basketball, you better be ready to, uh, I mean, lace them up and just go after it every night and every day and and work really hard. So, I mean, there was, I mean, in in Edmonton, you always wanted to work hard and everything, but I think sometimes it seems a little bit, out of reach or that it you know like basketball in the states is a little bit distanced from us in in some ways so i think i mean just they it's it's not it's really a lifestyle down here which i've noticed rather than than a hobby or something like that
1: Ben Cricky joining us in inside sports from Edmonton. Went through Jasper Place High School playing for Valparaiso in the NCAA. He was telling you how they made it all the way to the final of the Missouri Valley Conference tournament before uh, ultimately losing the last game. So, you know, as a, as a kid for you, uh, what really got you into basketball? Was it, uh, you know, a, a parent or a friend or something like that? What really made it your number one sport as you went along? It was was definitely my dad, so I think he played uh, a lot when he was younger, got into
0: it, and uh, played local uh, down in Medicine Hat uh, College. And then he he runs a basketball camp every year uh, called Hoop Camp. And uh, I I started that when I was five years old and just kind of worked up through that and then uh, joined a community team. Uh, And then, you know, just just fell in love with the game. My dad had a lot of uh, Michael Jordan Videos and DVDs and everything. So I was always watching those growing up and just trying to figure out different moves and and pay attention to Michael Jordan's footwork and everything like that. So, I mean, and then obviously just we had a basketball hoop outside. So, I mean, when the weather was nice, I just tried to get out there as much as possible and, and work on my game.
1: How would you describe your game? I mean, I've seen some highlights of you, but uh, let let people in Edmonton know. Uh, I, I, I know some athletes hate answering this, but what's your scouting report of yourself?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm a left handed big guy. I'm about six six foot nine, and uh, I can shoot the ball a little bit. I, uh, it kind of depends on what team I'm at I'm on at the time, but I think for high school i tried to do a little bit of everything and uh college i've had to refine my role a little bit so played a lot of inside inside out and uh yeah just just trying to be as much of an all-around player as i can be
1: now have you had any uh how often can your family or any friends or former teammates anybody come down to, to to watch you play in person this year
0: Uh, no, nobody's come down in person to watch, but, uh, they've been lucky enough to catch a few games on, on TV when they can. And I know, uh, the last game, uh, that we played against Bradley was on, on national TV. So that was, that was really special for a bunch of different coaches and, and family to watch the game.
1: Okay. And and I'm looking at your, your bio here on the Valpo website and it says one of your hobbies is fishing with your dad. Your dad's obviously a big part of your life. So I got to ask you here for a, a shout out to a favorite uh, lake in the region or that <laughs> you your dad like to get out, get out and fish on. Yeah, uh, we typically love to go out to, to Sylvan Lake. Our
0: family's had a cabin out there for quite a few years and uh, we usually just go fishing right off the pier in town for walleye and things like that. So it's been one of our favorite pastimes in the summer.
1: Well, Ben, this was great to talk to you. And there are more and more Canadian basketball players, you know, playing uh, obviously in the NBA, NCAA, starring in youth sports, going to play in Europe. So it, it continues to be a sport that Canada is making inroads are on uh, on the on the international stage. So I'll just end with this: you know, Ty, if you're if there's a young Edmontonian listening right now that wants to pursue the sport and maybe isn't sure or is doubting themselves or not sure where it's going to go, what would you say to that, to that player?
0: Yeah, I would say just, uh, I mean, stay positive. And, and things don't always happen right away. The results don't happen overnight. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely a process. And I've had to work years and years to get where I am. But I'm not finished yet. I have a lot more, lot more to go. And I have bigger and better goals. And, uh, I mean, it just requires a, a lot of hard work. So, I mean, uh, so, I mean, sometimes it, it could be you're tired or or you just don't feel like it. But, I mean, uh, just the competitive nature of the basketball here in, in America, I mean, there's always people out there working harder and, and working for that same spot that you're working for. So
1: you just got to stick with
0: it and, and keep working hard.
1: Ben, well said. Thanks for filling us in on your journey. I hope we can talk again soon continued success thanks for having me great stuff from jasper place high school to valparaiso in the ncaa they just miss out on winning their conference tournament they may get invited to uh to another tournament maybe the nit unfortunately they they will not get into the ncaa field they would have had to win their tournament to get in but ben's a great success story it is cricky. you may have seen on uh, uh kevin harlan calling his games on cbs on the weekend he was uh been called crikey i I double checked with them it is it is crikey but he uh, awesome story awesome story from edmonton to the ncaa final look at the scoreboard here the maple leafs beat the lightning 2-0 predators knock off the canadians 4-2 penguins score a 5-2 win over the blue jackets the bruins shut out the flyers 2-0 tuca rask with the shutout carter hart Local product and goal for the Flyers. Hurricanes lead the Red Wings 4-2 in the third. And in the second period, the New York Rangers up 3-0 on the Dallas Stars. Still to come, Islanders at Canucks, Senators at Ducks. Okay, Oilers, Jets tomorrow. Will McDavid play? Bob Stauffer will have the full story on Oilers now from noon to 2. And we have the face-off show at 5.30. The game will start at 7. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your calls and texts. My name is Reed Wilkins. Adler's next. Have a great night.
2: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed
1: Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.